Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. Uh, we have an exciting guest with us today, and as such, I'm going to keep my opening monologue brief. Uh, for those of you listening who are checking out People Are the Enemy for the first time, let me be the first to say welcome. My name is Andy Mascola. I'm the host of this podcast. There are no ads on People Are the Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality literature, uh, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of nine novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, but you like ebooks, you can find all nine of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you prefer to read your books in a physical format, but you don't use Amazon, you can buy most of my novels in softcover editions at barnesandnoble.com, bn.com if you're lacking in patience. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 244 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our guest is the comedian, TV writer and producer, music video director, voice actor, radio and podcast host, and national best-selling author Tom Sharpling. For over 20 years, Tom has hosted The Best Show with Tom Sharpling, formerly The Best Show on WFMU. Additionally, along with Julie Klausner, Tom co-hosts the podcast Double Threat, in July of this year, Tom's national best-selling memoir, It Never Ends, was re-released into the world in a new paperback edition, complete with a bonus chapter and an illustrated chapter by the artist Nathan Gelgood. On July 26th, as a way of celebrating It Never Ends' new format release, as well as Tom and his show's relocation to Los Angeles, California, Tom hosted a 24-hour episode of The Best Show, which featured countless celebrity guests, incredible musical acts performing live in the studio, callers, and all the show's trademark comedic moments and recurring characters performed by Tom's longtime friend and comedy writing partner, John Worster. Tom Sharpling is one of my heroes, and I feel exceedingly fortunate and appreciative that he would cut out some time to talk with us today. So without any further ado, let's speak with Tom right now, if I can get him on. Hello, Tom, are you there? Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you, Tom. I, I said it before, but I'll say it again because it bears repeating. You did it. Yeah, SOB, you did it. Wow, you're so kind to say that. I appreciate it. I did try to do it, and according to you, I did do it. So I'll take that as permission to stand down. Right on. Or stand up and do it again. Stand up and do it again. Or stand down. 
Whichever you prefer. Yeah, I mean, sit down, honestly. <laughs> Tom, your national best-selling memoir, It Never Ends, in addition to being available as a hardcover, an e-book, and an audiobook, is now, as I mentioned, it's available as a paperback. Now, were you ever concerned that It Never Ends wouldn't get a softcover pressing? It's something I really wanted for it and was really hoping that we could get because not everybody gets it. Um, and I guess you just have to... The book sells enough copies in hard hardback that they feel it's going to keep going. And uh, we did that. And it was very exciting. And it was very... Um, I also love that we got to do uh, a little extra stuff for the paperback. And, um, yeah, it was just a nice, it was just a nice uh, experience to kind of have the, the book go and do everything I could have wanted it to do um, all the way to the paperback. And then soon I will say goodbye and I will, the book will be a part of the things I did do not the things I am doing or gonna do. It'll just be in the rearview mirror soon. And I'm kind of, honestly, I'm looking forward to it because I'm as proud as I can be about this book, but I also want to just start focusing on some other stuff. Sure. Right on. Yeah. Tom, in my introduction for you, I mentioned the 24-hour episode of The Best Show, which was absolutely incredible. That you could be, you're welcome. That you could be live on the air for as long as you were interacting with guests and callers and show uh -huh. characters and you remained as lucid and nimble as you did was a sincerely impressive feat. And you were on camera for much of the time. Were there any yeah. were there any moments while you were on the mic that you felt yourself flagging? Oh yeah, no, there were there were definitely stretches where um, the first thing to go was just little connective tissues in terms of words, searching for a words that would normally just come automatically were a, were a slight strain to try to find them in my brain. And it, it, it really happened. I felt it, I felt it kind of starting to happen during uh, my conversation with John Oliver and he immediately started making fun of me for it and that was one of the greatest things that could have happened was that it was happening he was telling me yes it's absolutely happening and this is hilarious and um i loved it uh but that was the first sign i saw that it was really uh they were playing a dangerous game a little bit and if i i needed one more uh rest break at 8 a.m. and uh, I was due one more and it was just a matter of getting to that like that basically I just had 45 minutes to rest at 8 I knew I had stuff coming up at 9 a.m. and that just meant I could shut my eyes for 45 minutes and then go and change and and uh, wash up and clean myself up to get ready for the for the next uh for the next uh, nine hours, basically, would have been, right? Yeah, nine hours. There's a nine-hour stretch that I still had to go, and I knew there was, that I just, I really needed that rest, because I was just, I also just knew what was coming, and I was like, I got this 
conversation. They got Jarvis Cocker is going to check in, and got Mike Watt, and they got Chris Elliott, and I got um, all of these people were coming up, and and people just like Yossi Salak were coming up, and she's very smart and funny, and you just want to be on your toes. I want to be on my toes for that. So yeah, so it was just like I. I just needed to make that rest count, and it kind of didn't, but it was enough to get me by. And I, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's some kind of experience to just stay up that long and not do a thing like that, but to, but to also be like performing and having people kind of staring at you, looking for the, for the thing to start falling apart, um, was kind of sur- it was very surreal sure did you did you go back and listen to the entire 24-hour broadcast oh no i haven't heard any of it i i did it i it's in my head i i i just have such strong i will listen to, i want to listen to the music is what i'm really excited about hearing um because i didn't get to pay as much attention as i normally would have to the performances because i was getting ready for the next segments and getting ready for just just juggling a lot of things we're still juggling scheduling stuff all the way during the show stuff was still in play for for when people were going to call in and and who was going to come by and all that stuff was still in play so i i was never entirely able to be just present for the musical segments the way I would have liked to, but that was just that was just reality. So I, that's the thing I'm looking forward to going back and catching up on. Wait, do you think you'll ever do a 24 hour episode again? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know what would I do with it. That was the most perfect thing imaginable. That went. That couldn't have. Anything will fall short of that. I can't pull that off again. Can I? I don't know. Maybe I can. Let's say not anytime soon. How about that? Fair enough. Fair enough. I'd, I'd rather come up with like different surprises and and events and see what those feel like. Maybe there's got to be other other uh, things we can do. And I mean, I have ideas for other things that I haven't put into. Um, like I haven't thought about them seriously because the twenty four hour thing got all the focus and all the energy, but I'll, I'll there's a couple other ideas that I think would be fun that we can do on the show. Very good, very good, Tom. There's a question I've been dying to ask you for the last few years in regard to Vampire Weekend's last studio album. Prior to yeah. the uh, prior to the band announcing the album's title, they tweeted the initials F O T B and asked folks yeah. to guess what they thought it stood for. And and you guessed it correctly. I, I guessed it correctly. You guessed Father of the Bride. Now, yeah. now Vampire Weekend's drummer, Chris Thompson, has been a guest on The Best Show. And, yeah. I, and I know you were privy to, privy to some sneak peek live performances by the band in the time running up to their 2019 album title reveal. Were you given an inside scoop or any kind of hint by the band as to Vampire Weekend's 2019 album title prior to guessing it correctly? You, mean, you think I was cheating with that? 
No. <laughs> I guessed it. Father of the bride, though. That's a long shot. It, but it, it's not when you think of if somebody says, what does this stand for? And you see a T, so you go, that's the. Yeah. So there's, there, there's just assume that a T is most likely the. So then now it's just F-O, the, B. And it's just like, okay, father of the bride. That's, it was, that's very impressive, Tom. Honestly. Well, and I believe sweet. you, Tom. You're very sweet to, to give that a more... Uh, more significance than I think it deserves in terms of the degree of difficulty. I'm not good at puzzles and things like that at all. <laughs> but you I love games. I don't. I don't. I don't love games. <laughs> um, like not games like that. Yeah. Um, but I was. I looked at it and it just popped in my head. Okay. So. Now I look smart for a day. You, you look smart. Or for do. three years. Yeah, look, I, still, I haven't forgot. You're I've still been thinking talking about it. About it. Yes. I'll take it. <laughs> but I know the truth. A, I didn't cheat, which <laughs> is perplexing that you think I'd go to, what depths do you think I'd go to to look correct on Twitter? <laughs> Come on, Andy. I don't like, know, man. No, but I just like that and then... Uh, and then actually thinking that that was like some incredible feat of intellect, I'm very flattered by that. Honestly, I just I put more. I guess I put more weight into the fact that like nobody would call their album "Father of the Bride." That's silly. <laughs> Especially well, knowing no. like the names of their album the albums thus far, it's 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 sort yeah. of yeah. You see what I'm saying? Contra, oh, I get, look, I I'm Modern with Vampires it. of the I'm City. Yeah, sure. It seemed like a long shot. Well, sometimes the long shots come in. I, I guess so. That's fantastic. Good for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Tom, as I'd mentioned, uh, the best show recently relocated to Los Angeles. You've got a new studio. It did. It did. It did. You've got a new studio, one with a performance area, so you can host uh -huh. live acts. Uh, you said yeah. that this is likely the show's final evolutionary form, or something to that effect. Yeah. Can, can Best Show listeners expect to hear from Gary the Squirrel and or his roommate Vance in the new studio? Did they make the move with you? Well, Andy, you, you must be reading my thoughts because yesterday, literally yesterday, I figured out how to do... To, to how to bring Gary back on the show in a way that is befitting of his stature. And, uh, yeah, I figured out a way, and uh, I'm going to try to... I've got to figure out... i got to get the, the elements in place so that I can do it. But, yes, they will return. Wow, will all right. Return of Gary. If I had the scoop... Mark it down. If I had the scoop stinger, I'd, I'd hit it right now. Thank you, you for that. If you had the scoop stinger, you'd, your <laughs> finger would be sore. <laughs> From yes. Thank you for that People, scoop, Tom. Finger would be bloody and bloody and raw. <laughs> this is a scoop. This is a scoop for just you. I love it. Thank you so much. Of course, it'll be three weeks until this pod this podcast episode appears. So if you reveal the characters between now and then, it's really yeah, not a scoop. This is, we wait. All right. All right. Very good. We wait. <laughs> cool. 
Tom, for the majority of weeks in 2022, my segment of this show has been followed by Rachel's Chart Chat, a segment produced by my friend Rachel Hathaway, a.k.a. Rachel from Des Moines. And while I was preparing... I'm sorry? Oh, no, I said, uh uh-huh. Yes. While I was preparing to speak with you, I asked Rachel if there were any questions she'd like to ask. And she said she'd like to know how you got into the band Yes. Well, it's very simple. At one point, I was 10 years old, and... Uh, their music made sense to me, and I bought a triple album called Yes Songs. And then uh, have kind of kind of loved it, but had problems with parts of it. But still, the stuff I loved, I loved. And then uh, have had an on again, off again. Uh, connection to yes for the rest of my life where I went for ages without thinking about yes in any sort of way other than oh they're on the radio right now um but not putting on the records and then suddenly feeling feeling like I wanted to hear the records and I do stand by the first uh I'd stand by the first five yeah, but- I would say you can't go wrong look I'd stand by a lot of it. it it's, 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 yeah, I'd stand by a lot of yes, is what I'll say. Very good. It's all good with me. Um, well, not all that's good with me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, Tales of Topographic Oceans, maybe not so much. Um, but there's always something there. So, yeah, and I, it just, it, it started as a kid, and you turn around and suddenly you're, inches from death and the yes are still in your life <laughs> okay tom rachel's question actually sets our conversation up quite nicely for how i was hoping to end our talk today the the last time you and i spoke for an episode of my podcast we'd concluded with me giving you the names of bands and you telling me what you considered to be their best album if it's a, uh, do you recall this I do, I do. That was fun. Okay, good. If it's okay with you then, I was hoping to give you even more bands and artists for you to provide what you believe to be their oh, best album to date. Are you kidding? That'd be amazing. Oh, be, good, good. Make okay. my week. Oh, right on, man. Right on. Are, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, we're going to start with uh, Pulp. I, I see, You just got to go different class because... Um, because it's like a greatest hits album ultimately that is an original album every song's every song is great on it i really need to spend more time with that uh, we love life that last one it's a great album see yeah. it never it never cut through I, I i love different class and i i loved um this is hardcore but uh, yeah. but oh, that last now one it's time. yeah i guess it's get time. up to speed and then you'll be the one you'll be ahead of everybody else who hasn't gotten up to speed yet. i believe it and i trust now's you the time. i'm going to pull it out how about Bjork, Tom? Where do you do you have a favorite Bjork album or one that you consider? I don't. To be I best? don't. Honestly, I like what I hear with Bjork, but I've never really, um, I've never gone deep enough to. Um, yeah, I just don't know. Okay. Bjork, Bjork is somewhat of a. I love Bjork videos. I love, I love Bjork videos more than than uh, you know. But I never went for the albums for whatever strange reason. Okay. I don't know. Okay. How about uh, Dinosaur Jr.? I'm sure you have a, a favorite Dinosaur Jr. album. Yeah. I'd have to go through Living All Over Me. Is I mean, that's a top 20 album. 
for me of any, just anything. That's that's just that's a perfect album. REM. I'll still go with. Uh, um, I'll go with Murmur. Still, that just like that's where I came in, and that album changed my life. Uh, I would go with that. Murmur the the first two, the Chronic Town, Murmur, and then um. Why am I drawing a blank? What's after Murmur? Is uh, has South Central Rain on it? I think it was Reckoning, right? It was Reckoning, yeah. Like I would go with any of those, any of those three, but I'll just pick Murmur because that's the one that that changed everything for me. Okay. Do you have any opinions on Parliament and or Funkadelic? Yeah, I mean, just I would go with just Maggot Brain is is amazing. Uh, America Eats is young. I love, but I'll just pick, I'll just pick Maggot Brain because because of uh, Hit It and Quit It and uh, the title track. How about Can? That's an interesting one because I know a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on what the best Can would be. I would say, and the problem with can is also that you say it and you sound stupid because you're not sure if you're saying these titles right, if that's the, um, let me think. I, you know, I spent so much time listening to Delay 68 in my life, but it's got to be, um, either, it, uh, is it Edge Bamyasi? I've never said it out loud. Oh yeah, I've you know I've heard I've heard it pronounced Iggy Bamyasi. Iggy, so it's Iggy Bamyasi, or a Tago Mago or Tago Mago. Again, look, I've never said these things out loud. Yeah, I just listen to them. The soundtrack album is so good too. Monster movie, holy moly! Um, let's just go with Monster movie because that 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 you know. I mean, Monster Movie has You Do Right on it, and Father Cannot Yell, and just like, that's perfect. Yeah, and it has Galacticus on the front of it. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Exactly. It does their weird, impressionistic version of... Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that that would be... I'd, I'll just stick with Monster Movie. Very cool, very cool. All right, now, America's Can, the OCs. Well, that's such a hard one. I know. It's, it's like, how many albums have they released in the last, you know, I mean, six months? <laughs> so you have to count those, too. Yeah, yeah. I know, it's a I tough mean, one, but, you know, from you know from the ones you've listened so, to, which one do you think you enjoy most? Yeah, yeah. The most time on? You know what I listen to um, as much as any of them? Look, everything is so great with them. They're so perfect. Um, but I'm going to say, let me find... Because again, it's, you talk about remembering album titles. Yeah, it's like um, where are we? Where's my list of OCs? Hold on. Let's see. I'm not changing. I know these albums. I'm not just picking no. It's them okay. Up. It's absolutely okay um, to ask, ask you saying, on the fly for these yeah. questions. I, I, I mean, look, the Carrion Crawler record, I love so much. Um, but you know which one I I really listen to a lot is um is one of the OCS records. It's the first OCS record. It's um let me figure which one that is. It, Memory of a Cutoff Head from from uh it's a it's like this. It's a really it's like an, a stripped down 
record. It's it's not even it's not a VOC's record. It's 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 OCS, and it's it's very mellow and trippy. And um, I listen to it a lot at night. You know, Carrie and Crawler listen to it during the day. Um, but Memory of a Cutoff Head is a truly special record. Um, you know, though I'll I'll still say um, I'll say Memory of a Cutoff Head and and uh, and Orc. I love Orc. I really love that album. Yeah, let's go with those. That's a good one. How about Scott Walker, Tom? Do you have a favorite Scott Walker album? What is the fourth one? Is the was the one I like. Right. Yeah, the fourth one is very. Yep, and Scott. Yeah, it's four. Four would be the Scott Walker record. P.J. Harvey. I knew you were going to ask me about P.J. Harvey. I just knew it in my bones. I mean, I've been going on a P.J. Harvey thing for the last couple of years, and um, I mean, I could go with. I'd probably go with stories from the city. Um, over the one uh, to bring you my love. I think Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea is the one I would go with. Okay. But again, somebody who's talk about a, just the perfect run of, of records that no were heard, where she has just evolved and grown and everything and nothing is ever wrong or false. Uh, just one of the true... I mean, look, you make a case that it's just like her, her output just at least matches like she hasn't put as much out as Nick Cave does but she also just has never had a any kind of misstep either so not that you got to compare them but I'm just saying in terms of stature every, you know Nick Cave is more present these days I know there's a uh, PJ Harvey record coming next year from I heard there, there's one that's done but it's not coming out till next year so we'll see what that's like. But I'll go with stories from the city. Great choice. Very good. Uh, do you have a favorite solo album by any member of the Wu-Tang Clan? Yeah, uh, Ghostface is my favorite member of Wu-Tang. And I would say either Fish Scale or Supreme Clientele. Um, I'll go with Fish Scale over Supreme Clientele just because I, en- I, en- I just enjoy listening to Fish Scale more. Uh, they're, both, they're both amazing, though. How about Destroyer? Well, that's just... I mean, what, how am I supposed to pick a Destroyer? Album? I know. I mean, sure. I could go with Rubies or... Um, <laughs> oh, Rubies is I so good. Say, I, look, I put Rubies on as much as any, yeah. so I would just... They're all perfect to me, and they're all perfect in how different they are. But I'll just go with Destroyer's Rubies because it's the one I reach for the most. It's a great album. Yeah. How about Lana Del Rey, Tom? Uh, I would go with uh, Lust for Life. Okay. Oh, well, you know, or the Norman fucking Rockwell's great too, but again, the, they're coin flips. I love so much. I love them all, and I'll just go with the one I listen to the most, which is Lust for Life. How about Beck? Yeah, Beck. I mean, Odelay would be my favorite Beck album, and. That's like the only one I really find myself ever going back to over the last bunch of years. I think it's just, it's funny because one thing about that record that gets lost in with time passing 
was that not unlike like uh, check your head, it's just like Beastie Boys. Not everything was not like cemented for for Beck that he was gonna that he was gonna go the distance. That album, there were so I mean, it's Ode, people said that Odelay is a tie, is a is a play on words because the record took forever to come out. Um, because the record took a long time to come out, and there was no guarantee he was gonna match the whole mellow gold loser stretch of things. But he exceeded it, and he kind of—it's one of those records that kind of can't exist anymore because it's just built on samples, and would cost eight billion dollars to try to assemble now above board. Um, yeah, Odalay's the one by far. Echo and the Bunnymen. I'll go with Ocean Rain. Jay Z. Blueprint. For Jay Z, but that's and I don't even know what would come close with that. I love the Blueprint so much, and I would listen to it every week driving in to do Best Show for the longest time. Uh, that would be my Tuesday music in the car driving to Jersey City. They might be giants. Couldn't tell you. Okay. All right. I mean, I like, I like, I like what I hear. I never never took the took the leap okay let's uh I've, I've got a couple others here do you want a couple more or you can do we can do this for the next four <laughs> hours and i would be this would be the greatest thing that ever happened to me okay okay because i did skip a few as we went along the list here but i'll go back uh acdc for acdc um let me let me let me think on that for a second i would I mean, you, I mean, look, it's gonna be it's gonna be Bon Scott. Yeah, I was gonna um, say you they, talk a lot about you know, know the transition. The other guy, I'm still protesting Brian Johnston being <laughs> being added to ACDC, even though he was added 58 years ago. Still, <laughs> I still have filed an open complaint mm-hmm. about that. Um, bon Scott's one of the all-time great front men. Um, you know, let's just go with Highway to Hell. That's that's the that's the um, you know you got I mean Highway to Hell's one of the greatest songs and you got uh, Shot Down in Flames and yeah it's a bit, but again the whole point of these ACD DC records is it's like it's like they're it's like they were um, they were like the Ramones in a way where it's just like they're all great. Can't go wrong with any of them. Look, I could just say uh, Let There Be Rock also is just a fantastic album, but they're all fantastic up until Dirty Deeds is great, and then then he dies, and then it's it's just a different band. Mm. Okay, Uh, one more here. How about, uh, can we finish with The White Stripes? Yeah, I'd go with Elephant. Really? It's my favorite. Yeah. Right on. Why, is that a weird one? Uh, it's not one that I've spent a whole lot of time with, to be honest with you. So it, it's tough to say, but I, I thought you might um, I thought you might have been more fond of something earlier. That's all. No, I mean, There's No Home For You is one of my favorite songs, and that's on that. It's got, um, it's got a lot of hits on it, but it's a, I think it's a pretty solid album. 
and it kind of shows them doing everything they do. Very good. Right on. Tom, thank you. Thank you so, so much for talking with me. This has been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, man, this is, this is always a blast. You're, 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 uh, you're the best. Oh, I appreciate it. Listeners, if, if you haven't yet read Tom's memoir, It Never Ends, I encourage you to do so. It, I read it for a second time this week in preparation for my conversation oh. with Tom, and I, I loved it and laughed even more than I did the first time I'd read it. Oh, that's that's so kind of you, Andy. It's absolutely and, uh, it's absolutely true, Tom. I was I was crying. I was on I was. Oh, on I would a, hope you weren't lying about it. Oh, Tom, I was on the bike at you the gym like, at a YMCA, like crying from laughing no, so hard. I, I'm just saying. I was like, oh, I appreciate you saying. You're like, no, it's absolutely true. I said it's just like. I hope so. I hope we're, not, <laughs> we're not here to lie to each other. But I was like, no, I made that up. I didn't read it. <laughs> no. Or I read it, but I didn't enjoy it as much. As no, it was it was sincerely. I enjoyed it less than I did the first time. I, I rarely, I will rarely return to a book, and uh, and obviously, I wanted to, um, I wanted to have it fresh in my mind because we're obviously we're, our, the discussion today is in you know promoting the soft well, cover edition. That is that is amazing, and it's. It, insanely flattering and and i I can't i almost don't even know what to do with with words that nice Uh, you wrote wrote an amazing book and i hope i hope you i hope you have time and and patience enough to to maybe do another one down the road at some point because i'm sure yeah i'm gonna do another one i'm i think about it every day and i know what i'm gonna do i can't say it yet but i'm gonna do something with it that'll be worth reading and will not be a um it will not be a, uh, I'm going to waste anybody's time. Awesome. Awesome. Listeners, again, if you haven't read it, uh, you can find links for ordering It Never Ends and get updates at TomWroteABook.com. And you can listen and subscribe to The Best Show and Double Threat wherever you get your podcasts. So I'll make sure to put links to all those things in the description of this episode. So, so uh, get after it. And now... I am going to hand things over to our friend Rachel from Des Moines with the chart chat. Take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's chart chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. I got some amazing feedback from Jill, who shared that she was a fan of Breakout by Swing Out Sister because it was on an audio demonstration cassette that came with her family's Mercury Cougar. Jill said she loved the tape and listened to it all the time, both in the car and on her Walkman. And she even found and sent me a link to the track listing. It looked like it was a mix of pop and jazz with some symphonic music from films thrown in. Thanks also to Tony for your comments and letting me know that Rare Earth was on the A Night's Tale soundtrack, along with other 70s rock. Getting into the charts this week from the 70s were in August 26th of 1978. This chart has three songs each from the Grease and Sgt. Pepper soundtracks along with uh, also The Eyes of Laura Mars and Thank God It's Friday, having one each. And there was also two separate songs called You. I also wanted to point out that Eddie Money's Two Tickets to Paradise is on the chart this week, and you know everybody knows that one, so it's not. I don't need to point it out, other than they played the single edit of this song, which is very different from the album version. It has these little guitar flourishes, and it's it just has a different sound to it. So check that out if you've heard the original and want to hear a little something different take on it. For the picks this week, starting off at number 77, we have Josie by Steely Dan, and that's off of their album Asia. 
and uh, this would make it to number 26. And I would suggest people to try this song if they're kind of a Steely Dan skeptic or they just have never heard that certain song that grabbed them. I will say it's got some jazz chords, but it seems fairly accessible and it has a, a guitar solo from Walter Becker. Up next at number 74 is Badlands by Bruce Springsteen. So that's kind of what I was saying, you know, certain bands you just never have that song that speaks to you or you know, I always always respected Bruce Springsteen he's never one of my faves but when I listened to this song I it really moved me I really enjoyed it a lot um, it's from this album Darkness on the Edge of Town and he said he came up with the title first and then wrote the song after that maybe that's what put me off the song as I was like well how can a song I like assume it would be like depressing and sad but it's emotional but in a good way this would make it to number 42 At number 73 is Dance Disco Heat by Sylvester. This is off of the same album as uh, You Make Me Feel Mighty Real. This would hit number 19 on the US pop charts. I was reading up on him on Wikipedia a little bit, and uh, which I encourage everybody to do. It said that he combined uh, gospel and R&B with disco. At number 61 is a group called City Boy with their song 5705. And they were a UK band. Uh, I hear a lot of glam rock in their sound, but said they had uh, prog rock and some other styles in the mix. And uh, they were produced by Mutt Lang, who was the former Mr. Shania Twain. He's known for producing a lot with ACDC and Def Leppard. This was their only charting single in the US. It made it to number 27. It was a number eight hit in the UK and their highest charting song over there. And number 51 is I'm Not Gonna Let It Bother Me Tonight by the Atlanta Rhythm Section. This would make it to number 14. And this is off of Champagne Jam, which is their most successful album. And they were actually from Doraville, and they were a group of session musicians out there, so sort of like how Toto had been. And I read that uh, they played at, at the White House for Jimmy Carter uh, for his son's birthday. And number 46 is Captain and Tennille with You Never Done It Like That. And this would make it to number 10. And when I heard this song, I sort of assumed it was like a follow-up to do that to me one more time because it's kind of in the same area, you know, conceptually. But this song actually came out first. This was from 78 and the next one, other one was from 79. Tony Tennille was a singer from Alabama and she hooked up with uh, Daryl Dragon, also known as the captain, when they were working with the Beach Boys together. At number 37 is Think It Over by Cheryl Ladd. And this would make it to number 34. And when I heard this on the AT40, it really surprised me because I could not have remembered hearing a Cheryl Ladd song before. Um, it kind of seemed like they were kind of putting her in the Livia Newton-John box a little bit. Uh, when I read up on her on Wikipedia, I was surprised to learn that she had originally come to Hollywood to be a singer. And she was from South Dakota originally. And she had been the singing voice of Melody on the cartoon Josie and the Pussycats. And Melody was the drummer and she was played by Tara Reid in the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Um, and Cheryl Ladd, of course, was known for being on Charlie's Angels, and she had replaced uh, Farrah Fawcett when she left the show. And number 35 is Get Off by Foxy. And uh, we've had Foxy on the chart picks before. This song will make it to number nine. And they were a Latin, uh, Latin disco group from Florida. 
and I read that uh, they had been the backing band for ABBA's song Voulez-vous, which I never knew that before, and it kind of makes sense because that song is amazing, and that was a cool thing that I got to learn about Foxy. At number 30 is the group Boney M with their song Rivers of Babylon. And this is this as high as it would get in the States is number 30. Uh, but Boney M is one of these groups that was very, very successful pretty much everywhere but the United States. Um, and they were put together by a German record producer. And the singers were all of Afro-Caribbean descent. And uh, the same producer uh, was also behind uh, Millie Vanilli. There's interesting parallels where not everybody in Boney M sang on the albums. But they did all sing live, so a little bit different from Millie Vanilli. Uh, you might know the name Boney M. They had done the song Ras- Rasputin, which has kind of become a meme, or it's become more known online. So I was kind of—I was surprised they had had a song that even hit the top 40 in the U.S., just knowing that there was this disparity between their success in the States versus elsewhere. So it was kind of cool to hear it on there. And finally, from the 70s this week, we have Pablo Cruz at number six with Love Will Find a Way. And that was as high as that would get. Pablo Cruz is one that I kind of discounted for a while. And then one time, I think it was this song I heard in the car and the, just the guitar tone sounded really great for what it was. Um, so I was inspired to look into them a little more. And I had learned that uh, the gentleman that produced and engineered this album, uh, Bill Schnee, he had also been the engineer on Asia that we talked about a little bit ago, and also worked on Gaucho and two other Pablo Cruz albums. Turning to the 80s, just a few picks this week. So I'm mentioning the soundtracks on that 78 chart, but there's Bonanza soundtrack time on the 84 chart. There was 13 separate songs from different movie soundtracks, and starting off at number 95 is Cleaning Up the Town by the Bus Boys, and that's from the Ghostbusters soundtrack. This would make it to number 68. And they're also known for appearing on the 48 Hours soundtrack with The Boys Are Back in Town. Uh, cleaning Up the Town, I remember that from childhood. My brother was obsessed with Ghostbusters, so we had the cassette uh, you know, soundtrack of it. It's definitely a plot rock type of song. At number 94 is I Didn't Mean to Turn You On by Shirelle. And I think it's number 79. This is off of her album Fragile. And the song was written by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis from Minneapolis. And Mystery Science Theater fans uh, know this one well. Also from the Robert Palmer cover. Uh, This was Sherelle's first single, and it was uh, number eight on the R&B charts. At number 87 this week is The Reflex by Duran Duran. And that would go on to hit number one, and it was in fact the first U.S. number one for Duran Duran. This is from their album Seven and the Ragged Tiger. And I feel like people probably know this one, but uh, if not, or if it's been a while, give it a listen. And hey, if you need to repeat that intro a few times, I totally get it. I love that intro. And if you want to hear more Duran Duran, I recommend stopping by the VJ Big Suit Twitch show on Tuesdays from 8 central to midnight. At number 55 is Billy Idol with Eyes Without a Face. This will go on to make it to number four. And this is the second single from his second album, which was Rebel Yell. And I just picked this one, and maybe it's not as known as some of his other songs. Like, for I think of White Wedding as maybe his biggest song, but I saw that that only made it to number 36 in the U.S. So I can't, you never know kind of what, so you're, what will become someone's signature song. I just really like this one. It's a little bit different sound for him, but it's very, you know, unique style, and I really like it. And finally, from the 80s this week, I, Billy Squire's Rock Me Tonight. It's at number 17, would eventually make it to 15. 
And I mostly am putting this one because I want to encourage people to watch the video if you've never seen it before or if it's been a while because this video is it's, looms over his career as like this thing that killed his career because he was dancing or acting in conduct unbecoming of a rock star or whatever. But the video is not as awful as people make it sound. But, you know, don't take my word for it. Reading Rainbow, watch it for yourself and see what you think. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Excellent stuff. This has been episode 244 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. Thank you, Tom Sharpling. We love you. Peace.